Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Georgia Tech podcast. These are your hosts, RJ Schaefer, Jackson Caudill, coming to you on Tuesday afternoon, one day before early signing day, three days before the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa Bay between UCF. First of all, though, RJ, how you doing, man? It's been a little bit since we met. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling good, though, you know, bowl season. Yeah. It's last game week of the year. Like, it's, you know, we're not going to get this feeling until they go over to Ireland uh, next year to play Florida State, which is obviously going to be a huge game. But got a lot to dive into today. We're not going to, you know, cut around it too much. You know, we've got bowl game preview coming in, giving you the most in-depth preview we possibly can. Um, Going to – not going to talk a lot of uh, early signing day stuff today. We're going to come with an instant reaction show tomorrow. So be sure to tune into that. That's where we're going to kind of dive into all the high school recruiting. We're going to kind of save that just so we can mainly talk about the bowl game here today. But also we wanted to kind of talk a little bit of news as well. Since we last met, Georgia Tech's picked up two pretty key transfers, cornerback from Rhode Island, and then today Furman defensive end Jack Barton committed to Georgia Tech as well. The pass rusher part was kind of what I've been waiting on because, as we saw last week, a lot of freshman defensive linemen entered the portal, um, and then Kyle Kennard as well. Georgia Tech didn't have a good pass rush this year, so like I, Kyle Kennard's a good player. I don't think it's a devastating loss by any means. That's you know no disrespect to anybody, but uh, so Jack Barton comes in with experience. He was an All Conference player at Furman, so I'm, I'm anxious to see what his impact is. You know, it's always interesting when you're bringing up players from the FCS level, and Furman's a good FCS team, mind you. Like they're they're a good program, but it's always interesting. That's a big jump up in competition. Um, and you have Saeed Gibbs coming over from Rhode Island. He was one of the more coveted defensive backs in the portal. Like, he he had a really, really good season. He has three years of eligibility left. He is one of the ones I'm excited about. Of course, Miles Sims out of eligibility. His last game at Georgia Tech will be on Friday against UCF. And then Kenan Johnson transferred to Utah. So, made some key portal additions. Uh, RJ, any thoughts on this and, like, between those two, I personally think Gibbs will make the biggest impact next year. But do you have any, like – other thoughts on that? Um, I personally, I think, I, I think Barton will make the most impact um, on the D line. Again, I don't know much about Furman. I do know that they're a solid school, uh, FCS program. Uh, but it's always interesting, you know, to get a guy uh, coming to the FBS level, and I, I think he'll do well. Yeah. You're telling me you're not an expert on the Paladins of Furman? I was, I was, I'm disappointed, man. Come on, that's what I rely on you for. Um, but in all seriousness, two pretty, two pretty good additions. Georgia Tech's obviously got a lot of improving to do on the defensive side next year. Um, they're pretty set offensively, but definitely defensively, they're going to have to to get a lot better if they want to win more than six games. And who knows, maybe maybe compete for for something bigger than a spot in the Gasparilla Bowl. So we'll see. Um, also, basketball. Went to Madison Square Garden. It was not pretty. It was close. There were some questionable calls. I will admit it. You know, I think Tech got some calls to go in their way. But Damon Stoudemire picked up win number six, beating Penn State, who, while they're not as good as last year, Penn State did make the NCAA tournament last year. And they were down a couple players in this game. It is good to go beat a Big Ten team on a neutral floor, one that's probably maybe a little bit above you um, this season. But, uh, again – now they're six and three. They they've won I think four of their last five now. Uh, bounced back from the loss against Georgia nicely. I mean, you did have the Alabama A and M game, but as we talked about, that was kind of you know, that is what it is. Alabama A and M's 
one of the worst teams in the country. So it was good to see them play a team of similar competition and win. Um, some clutch free throws from Miles Kelly late. He didn't have his best game, uh, of course, this year, but um, hit those big free throws at the end. Any thoughts really on, on basketball? They they do play. They, they're starting in the uh, tournament over in Hawaii. They play UMass tomorrow. Now, not to be confused with UMass Lowell, who they did lose to earlier in the year. This is just UMass. There's no Lowell to it. So um, any, any thoughts on basketball? They're going to have a few games here before they get cranked up for ACC play. Um, I just wanted to say, like, the team has progressed so much since the mm-hmm. beginning of the year. Like you mentioned, UMass Lowell. Um, UMass Lowell is not near competition that uh, Penn State is, and I think that's more of a props to Damon Stoudemire, who's made, like we've talked about, so many adjustments throughout the year, guys coming in and out. Um, yeah, and, and Dongo has been literally incredible. He started off the season and wasn't even starting, and he's been great. Yeah, well, he was injured, you know, for the first part of the year. And then once he got back in, like, he was instantly in the starting lineup once he got healthy. And uh, he was named ACC Rookie of the Week yesterday as well. So that's the second time already this season that he's earned that. Like, he is a he is a player. Uh, it, and also, I'll say this, it's been a while, I feel like, since Georgia Tech's had a point guard with Nate George's passing ability and vision. Like, he, he does a really good job of running the court. He's just impressive to watch it game in and game out. And again, he's a freshman. Bayandongo is a freshman. So you're getting those two progressing pretty much with every game mixed in with, with some transfers. Look, there are going to be ups and downs. We have talked about that on this podcast before with the basketball team this year, but they're just with all the new, new faces and, and everything. But I still believe in this, in this team kind of long-term the rest of the season. And once they get into ACC play, we'll, we'll, we'll know what kind of team they are officially, but all right, so that is our news portion of everything. You ready to preview the game? Yep. Yep, it's been a while since, we, you know, it's almost been a full month since we've been able to preview a football game, and it's going to be eight months before we preview the next one when they face Florida State next on August 24th in Dublin. So I'm going to turn it over to you. You, are, I guess I'm going to dub you the official Believe in Georgia Tech historian, bowl game historian now. Um, UCF has kind of just been – that they own a lot of Gasparilla Bowl records, and you know that they, they've played in this game a lot. So give, give us a little, give us a little rundown of some Gasparilla Bowl history. Uh, so the Gasparilla Bowl started two thousand eight, and it wasn't it wasn't the Gasparilla Bowl then. They used to play actually in Tropicana Field, um, which was it was one of the first games played uh, in a baseball field, and that was called the Saints Petersburg Bowl. Um, but the Gasparilla Bowl name actually comes from. A old legend in the Tampa Bay area, uh, Jose Gaspar. Uh, he was a he was a pirate back in the 1700s, and there's no like actually confirmation that he was real. Uh, the Gasparilla <laughs> Parade every year in Tampa Bay in honor of the culture, um, and was actually part of the inspiration for the pirate ship which is in tampa bay the stadium mm-hmm. so that that got moved from tropicana um to raymond james stadium in 2017 once they switched so you're telling uh, me we could have had another bowl game in a baseball stadium yeah well there I, was for a while 
Yeah, I uh, it that. was. It was also called the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin Saint Petersburg Bowl for one year in 2014. Then um, I'm Bitcoin. Georgia Tech. This is going to be their sixth appearance. They're three and two uh, on a two-game win streak, and they hold a jarring six single season or single game records in the Gasparilla Bowl for points, total yards, rushing yards, all-purpose yards, pass touchdowns, which is actually held by Blake Bortles. And then uh, reception touchdowns. So they pretty much own the Gasparilla Bowl. They're the only team with more coach, than four. You know who coached Blake Bortles at UCF, right? You know who's offense coordinator? None other than Brent Key himself. So that's kind of an interesting wrinkle into that. Um, you know, we talked about that when the bowl game got announced. That like this, there's a lot of storylines in this game. Just just from George O'Leary, you know, Georgia Tech coaching legend, then coached UCF. Brent Key was. Uh, a coach at UCF from 2005 to 2015. They've played two out of the last three years, so just just a lot of history there. Like for for two teams that are not known to play, you you wouldn't think about playing each other on a regular basis, is what I'm saying. All right, let, like let's dig into the. I should have had I should have asked you to do that as like a PowerPoint presentation because that that could have just just worked great. We could have had like a shareable screen and everything had some cool pictures, but that that I'll save that for next year, um, whatever whatever bowl game Georgia Tech plays in. But me and you were talking before the show when you look at the just looking at the stat sheet. If that's all you want to do for looking at this game, these two teams are really really similar. They both have electric offenses with electric playmakers on it. Pretty solid offensive lines. And then defenses that can't do anything just about it. Like UCF has a, a decent pass rush. They're at least in the upper half of the country in, in sacks, and they have two of the better pass rushers in the Big 12. But they did have one of their best members of the secondary, uh, Corey Thornton. He transferred to Louisville. So that that's going to make a big impact on this game. But starting with Georgia Tech's offense, like you're talking about a team that – is one of the best rushing teams in the country. And and after the past few years of not being able to run the ball, uh, you know, for, for years under Paul Johnson, of course, they were known as a dominant rushing attack, but that's because they ran the option. So this year they had the best rushing attack in the ACC statistically. They are 27th in rushing success rate, and they are going against a UCF defense that is 120th in defensive success rate allowed and 120th in uh, rushing success rate allowed. Now it's, We'll get to the Georgia Tech defense a little bit. Georgia Tech's rushing success rate allowed is actually a little worse than that. But for guys, whether it's Haynes King, Jamal Haynes, Dante Smith, like those guys could potentially have big games on the ground. But I do think the the game could be won if they have to make plays through the air because UCF, like coincidentally or not, actually was first in the Big 12 in passing defense. But when you look at who they've played, they haven't exactly played a ton of dominant um, air attacks like you look at some of their wins like against Kent State and some of them they're not big time passing attacks they did a pretty decent job against Oklahoma which is probably the best passing offense they face but they didn't have to play Texas they didn't have to play TCU S- some of their uh, uh, other games you know Baylor had a decent day on them they were able to shut down Houston in their game to get bowl eligible but um, I-, I-, I do think there is success to be had uh, against the UCF secondary yeah, and um, one thing I, th- I like that you mentioned is Corey Thornton being out. Uh, he's really a staple in that UCF defense, so I really think Haynes King will be able – because we, we've seen Haynes King's 
kind of like gunslinger uh improvise style mm-hmm. um and i think if you give haynes king because he's not like an amazing quarterback but mm-hmm. you give him a secondary we we've seen what he can do um i think it'll i think it'll be one of those games for haynes king uh where he doesn't struggle yeah and you know in a lot of bowl games i think one thing that's underrated is you know you have opt-outs you have guys going to the nfl draft you have you know whatever guys being banged up tech doesn't have any of that on offense like they're going to come in here it's not like you have to worry about the chemistry or anything look eric singleton is is in this game malik rutherford christian leary dominic blaylock all those guys are in there dylan leonard um offensive line is intact jamal haynes dante smith like they have their full allotment of weapons and i think that the variety of the run game is is really going to get them like you know we talked about it in the georgia game like buster faulkner really using a lot of pre-snap motion different formations to try to get georgia off balance like that's been done to ucf this year and now georgia tech doesn't run as much pre-snap motion and stuff as a team like kansas who absolutely throttled ucf earlier in the year um but I do think there are some similar concepts and schemes there when it comes to the running game. And I, I do think that that's where Georgia Tech is going to attack them first. Um, UCF is, is by no means an imposing rushing defense, as, as we've talked about. And that's Georgia Tech's bread and butter. I think where you have to be careful is the turnover factor. That That's where Georgia Tech has, when it comes to offensive struggles, they, they can be a little hit or miss sometimes in the passing game. I mean, they are only, I think, 73rd in passing success rate for the season, which is is, is not a an extremely high mark. But I think some of that has become from the rushing first approach. Like, Haynes King didn't really have to do a lot through the air against Georgia. Against North Carolina, he had an electric first half throwing the football and then didn't really have to do much because the running game took over. When he's been pressed to try to do that, that's where things have, have gone awry a little bit. Like Boston College, he, he tried to press a little bit and and had one of his worst games of the year just in terms of turnovers. When when Bowling Green got up on Georgia Tech earlier this season, he really had to try to press. And he did finish with a high amount of yards, but he also had a critical pick six and another interception in that game as well. I think the key on offense is just not getting behind because I, I Georgia Tech just does not play from behind very well because in ways they have to get one-dimensional. And when they've had to do that, Clemson is a, another example. Now, obviously, you the difference in defenses with UCF and Clemson are astronomical, to say the least. But if UCF has a lot of success on the ground game and Georgia Tech has to play from behind, we saw in the Clemson game, pick sixes, interceptions, where he's just he's trying to make the big plays and they didn't work out. And that that is one area that would concern me on offense is if – UCF's having a lot of success on their with their offense against Georgia Tech's defense. Maybe Haynes King starts pressing a little bit and tries to make the big plays and doesn't take the safe throws or doesn't run the ball when he should because I think sometimes he does miss some some running opportunities. But to me, that that's going to be the big X factor when when Tech's on offense is just not pressing and and not turning the ball over, which you know can be said about anybody. Yeah, and the. Yeah, and the one thing I'll I'll add to that is Haynes King. He he's been able to play from behind, but the problem is sometimes he will 
force the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that tends to be, you know, something he'll do a lot. Like he'll he'll make a pass that'll be a double cover down the sideline, and it's like third and long. Um, so I think we can get behind. I just think Jamal Haynes needs to stay focused and not force the issue. Yeah. Yeah, and I think early down success is going to be important. Like get, getting ahead of the chains, you know, getting in second and three or third and two and, and those situations where you have a lot more of the playbook open where Buster Faulkner can use some quarterback design runs, you know, just hand it off to Haynes or Dante Smith. You know, when they get in third and long, that's just when Georgia Tech has trouble. They're not a good third and long team. And, of course, not a lot of teams are. Like when when you make things harder on your team, you're obviously going to have a lot more struggles. But they're just – the passing attack isn't as good as the rush attack. So I think staying ahead of the chains on early downs and not turning the ball over are just going to be the biggest keys to this game because other than that, I really do think they could run the ball right down UCF's throat. Now, we're about to talk about conversely. That's probably going to be the case on the other side. But they've had uh, – I'm also interested to see any new wrinkles that Kevin Scher or Buster Faulkner either one has for this game like you have two weeks to prepare and I, I know or, but yeah I think a couple weeks to prepare I know a lot of the focus has been on the transfer portal and recruiting and stuff but it does give you extra time to prepare anything for this bowl game and something I do want to talk about later is you know when you're talking about picking bowl games and picking sides thing I think one thing a lot of people bring up is motivation like how often are these teams motivated to come out here because We've already seen in some bowl games, the very first bowl game of the year, it looked like no matter how many starters Ohio was down, they wanted to be there in that Myrtle Beach Bowl against Georgia Southern when it looked like Georgia Southern had no interest in being there and Ohio run them out of the stadium. You're going to see that. That's what makes bowl games so hard to predict sometimes is you just don't know anybody's motivation factor to to be in that bowl game. But Georgia Tech's is pretty clear, I think. Um, they haven't played in one since 2018. They're very fired up to play in this. And not, not and I'm not at all saying UCF won't be motivated, but this is – they're used to being in bowl games, you know, g- given their last really eight to ten years. Um, I do think the motivation factor is going to be sitting with Georgia Tech, but we can dive into more of that in a little bit. Anything else in terms of uh, Georgia Tech's offense going against UCF's defense? Not really other than I, I like what you said about motivation. Like this is like – this is a Super Bowl for Georgia Tech, basically. Like, this is the biggest game in years. Yeah, I might not call it a Super Bowl, but it, it's like a, a tier below. Like it's just something you're gonna. They're gonna go all out to win it. Like there's not gonna be um, any stones left unturned. They're gonna go all out to win this game because it, it'll be a chance to finish with a winning record. You know, because if you lose, you know, you finish below 500, finish six and seven, which you know, considering the. Vegas win total at the start of the year was four and a half. That's still an improvement. Like this bowl game doesn't really change my um, my impression of this team this year. I think it was a very successful year, no matter if they lose, whether it's by a little. I would be disappointed if they lose by a lot, but I don't think that's going to happen. Like I just don't think UCF can stop them enough times. Um, all right, so what on earth is this gonna, defense going to do to try to slow down a pretty high-powered UCF offense? Um most people know UCF for their offenses, whether when it was Brink, he was the offensive coordinator from the time Scott Frost was the head coach to Josh Heupel. Obviously, they're running a very d- 
different scheme from when those guys were head coaches. Like Gus Malzahn brings a, a run-heavy approach, and he has quarterbacks that do sh- struggle throwing the football some. Um, John Reese Plumley is not uh, Peyton Manning when he's throwing the football. He is a very, very dynamic runner. Like they have a very, very good running attack. He's been he's battled some injuries this year. They also have a pretty good backup quarterback as well. If Reece, John Reese Plumley were to get injured, like I don't. Obviously, you don't want anybody to get injured, but if they did, UCF hasn't seen a massive drop-off um, in quarterback play um, when, when he does go down. They have just a, a stud pair of receivers. Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson were two of the best receivers in the entire Big 12 this year, uh, both almost totaling 1,000 yards. Had R.J. Harvey, the Big 12's leading rusher, going for about 1,300 yards and like 16 touchdowns. Like He was uh, he's third leading rusher in the Big 12, excuse me. He was – a beast this year and whether it's Plumley, whether it's Harvey Georgia Tech's tackling has to come they they have to be ready to, to, to play on defense uh, this Friday night yeah and Javon Baker ended up uh, being UCF's only offensive player that was first team all big 12 because he ended with 966 reception yards that's kind of crazy to think about just they have a lot of studs on offense and like they only had one guy yeah, and he led the he led the in reception yards, even though they're such a rush heavy. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, and oh, what were you saying? I I just think like kind of what you said. The 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 tackling is paramount because if you if you let him, R.J. Harvey will drop two hundred yards on this defense, and I wouldn't be shocked. No, like that's the front seven is just going to play such a big impact with, you know, the linebackers have gotten picked on a lot this year for Georgia Tech. And look, Paul Moala, Trinilius Tatum, Kyle Eford. Kyle Eford kind of really came on strong at the end of the year. But the front seven, the tackling and just getting getting to your assignment, getting to your gap in your run fit is just going to be super, super important because Malzahn, it, it's not like they're lining up like, an old school offense or anything and just handing it off and you got to stop it. Like they're going to use a lot of, of different pre-snap motions. They're going to, they, they are a diverse running team. Like they, they have many different ways to, to run the football, whether it's counter, whether it's trap power, like they, they do a lot of different things in their run game. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting to watch. They, they have athletes and speed on that side of the ball. Like that, that's what's most concerning to me. And if they can't create, if, if Tech can't create negative plays and force turnovers, they're going to have a hard time stopping them. Like, and that sounds like, oh, duh, Captain Obvious, but like it's it's that simple. When Georgia Tech's defense creates turnovers, they generally win their games, like they did against Miami. They did a decent job of that against Georgia, a team that doesn't really turn the ball over that much. Uh, they did it against Wake Forest earlier in the year, and they got some, they got a key stop late uh, against North Carolina as, as well, a turnover. So. That's that's basically the only good thing this defense for, for Georgia Tech has done this year is get turnovers. But I think it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, Kenan Johnson obviously transferred to Utah, and you know he has his ups and downs as a player and all. But it, it is worth noting that that he's gone, and, and Georgia Tech's going to have to go into its depth for for a little bit as far as cornerback goes. Look, they still have Miles Sims for this game, Amari Harvey. I'm kind of interested to see. How the passing how how the passing defense in the secondary matches up with the two stud receivers and they have to much like we were saying with uh, Georgia Tech 
getting behind and forcing the issue a lot, they have to make UCF do that because we talked about John Reese Plumley is not a he is not a like elite throw of the football. Like when you can scheme things up for him and do really well, and and Gus Malzahn does do that really well, and it's easy when you have guys like Hudson and Baker. But they have to get them into passing downs and and, and force force that issue. If if UCF kind of does what we want Georgia Tech to do and stays ahead of the chains with Harvey and that offensive line, it's gonna it's gonna be tough to uh, tough to stop. And uh, UCF does play with, with with pace as well. So Georgia Tech has done okay. They don't face a ton of, of tempo teams. You know, Ole Miss, North Carolina, uh, Georgia ran a little bit of tempo on them, but then. Once they couldn't stop the Bulldogs running game, they kind of slowed things down a little bit as well. So it's tackling, forcing turnovers. It is just those are the two main things to talk about on the the defensive side of the football uh, for Georgia Tech. Look, and it's also going to be Jalen King could be the 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 X factor in this game as well. He has been he's uh, one of one of the best safeties in the ACC this season, and. They, they really do rely on him a lot for turnovers. But like I was just saying, though, tackling, forcing turnovers, staying ahead of the chains on the defensive side of the football. And I'm, I'm interested to see if they do force a lot of passing downs. Who can step up as a pass rusher? Kyle Kennard is gone to South Carolina. He's, he's out of there. So can Kevin Harris step up? Can uh, Makai Scott step up? Can they get some interior pass rush? Will they have to blitz? A lot of different things could, could be done on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm kind of interested to see what Kevin Chair does. Um, as far as the game plan goes, yeah, and I, I'm not, I'm not sure if you mentioned this, but you know, I think this is one of those games uh, where Jalen King has to step up. Uh, mm-hmm. He was just named uh, second team All ACC, um, and we'll definitely have to look for him in the past game because the way I see this game going out, obviously UCF like a top 10 rushing team, I believe, in success rate. And once we limit them on the ground, I mean, they have guys that can throw that football, even though they do have uh, turnover issues similar similar to Haynes King. Like, if you look at these offenses, they're really similar. Uh, yeah. But, but I think this is one of those games where Jalen King should step up. Yep. Yeah. Well – X fa- I want to kind of give the X factors for both offense and defense. For, for offense, to me, it's limiting turnovers. Like this offense is pretty dang good when they don't turn the ball over. Um, their passing game can be hit or miss a little bit like we talked about, but the running game should have a dominant day. Just don't turn the ball over. Stay ahead of the chains. Don't fall behind where they have to press and make throws. Defensively, tackling, tackling, tackling. Like forcing turnovers is great. UCF is going to make you play in space and make you tackle in space. They have to, Georgia Tech has to do a good job of tackling. And you're going to see a lot of different stuff from Gus Malzahn this week. Like he is, he is still a good offensive coach and a good offensive play caller. And this is the, the biggest worry I have in, in this game for Georgia Tech. Can they get any stops and, you know, can they be able to tackle in the open field? Because they pretty much have not done that all season long. Uh, have some spurts here and there, but really not all season long. That's going to be what I'm looking for and, and what they can do as far as an X factor on defense. What are your X factors? Uh, I want to start with X factors on offense. Uh, this UCF defense is not great. So I think Georgia Tech's X factor is um, 
just just staying ahead of the chains like Mm -hmm. first down whether or not you get a big play or not it doesn't really matter as long as we can get small chunk plays in concession i be fun uh heading over to defense i think what's paramount is force turnovers uh because this ucf defense i'm not sure if you've looked at this stat but they have uh one of the least frequent punting teams in the big 12 Mm -hmm. so they are get it all or don't um so if you really do not force turnovers they will make you pay they will go for uh, fourth down conversions. They will not put in their own territory. Um, so I think really forcing turnovers will be key because that will decide whether we win or whether they lose. Yeah. All right. Player on each side of the ball to watch. For me, I'll, I'll switch up a little bit. I guess I'll, I'll go Jamal Haynes. Like I, I know Haynes King is going to get a lot of the attention, obviously, as the quarterback. But I do think with how poorly UCF's run defense is, like I think Jamal Haynes is like I think 69, 68 yards away from being in a thousand yard rusher. I'd love to see him get that in this game. Uh, he's it's he's been a phenomenal story switching over from wide receiver, uh, climbing the depth chart, just being just one of the best players on this offense and one of the best running backs in the ACC as well. Like he he's just had a really really good year. Um, and when you're facing a team that's in the 120s and rushing success rate allowed, the main running back is, is probably could have a big day. So I, I'm excited to see what he does. Defense, I, this is cheating a little bit, but just pass rushers. Like that, though, that's with, with Kyle Kennard out. Like I'm just really anxious to see who can step up because if Georgia Tech can get stops on the early downs and tackle well in space and they can force some of these third and eight, third and nine. I do think that 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 you're going to have to force Plumlee to throw, which, you know, he's not the worst thrower of the football in the entire country, but he's not one of the best and not, like, remotely close to it. Like, he's a good athlete playing quarterback. So I just think any pass rusher just is going to have to have a big impact on this game. Yeah, for, for my defensive player to watch, you know, I have something similar than you to similar to you. I, I think in passing downs, I think – Jalen King's play at safety will be paramount. Um, Like I said a little bit earlier, he just got second team all ACC. Um, And I I think he's really a leader in that secondary. And I think he can really, he's a very diverse player. Like he can play more than just safety up top. Like he can do a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for offense, I was going to say Jamal Haynes, but I'll, I'll switch it up. Uh, I'm going to go Haynes King. I'm going to go with exactly what said before in the Georgia game. I think uh, the run game is paramount against, you know, a team who has a similarly struggling run defense. Um, And I think Haynes King, not even really through the air, I think he can punish this team on the ground like he really did to Georgia. Like, he went to lengths that I, I did not expect him to go. And I, I think he can have a huge game against UCF. All right. We've talked enough about it. Our final prediction of the year. So, I'll let you take the first crack at it. Like, I've been going first. I go first a lot. Like, I'm going to let you go first this time. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna say this is going to be 
you know, tons of explosives on offense. Uh, I think this is really going to be a Buster Faulkner masterclass game. Two offenses, you know, going to score a lot, going to be a lot of yards in total. Could break UCF's total yard record. Um, but I'm going to say Georgia Tech finishes our overachieving season on a high note, 38-22 dub. Um, 16 points, huh? I I don't know. I I really think Georgia Tech – there's two types of ball games this is going to be. It's going to be Georgia Tech is explosive and we score a ton of points, or Georgia Tech plays it conservative, the game's a lot closer, still a ton of points are scored. But that is the way I think it is. All right. So I think this is going to be a shootout. Um, I, I just don't envision any defense really getting a ton of stops here. It could be a situation where whoever has the ball last is going to win. My gut does say to pick Georgia Tech. Like, I just – these teams are just so similar. But I do think when push comes to shove, if one team has to throw the football and, and make plays, I trust Georgia Tech's passing attack more than UCF's. I know UCF has some better numbers. Uh, they arguably have the better receivers in this game. Um, but – I, I, I think Haynes King is a much better quarterback than John Reese Plumley. John Reese Plumley is good for the system that Gus Malzahn runs. I'm not saying he is a bad player at all, but I do think Georgia Tech can create some some bigger plays on defense in their obvious passing downs and more so than UCF can do when Haynes King um, is throwing the ball in those longer passing downs. And obviously missing one of their better players in the secondary is going to hurt. I think it's just going to be a back-and-forth game. Like I said, it truly could be either way. Like the UCF's only a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and the, the total is in the mid-60s. Um, I would suggest take Georgia Tech in the points, take the over. I like Tech go 38-34 with the win. They get a game-winning drive with about two minutes to go and then get a crucial defensive stop to end the game. And in the season, seven and six, with some momentum going into next year, um, my confidence level in it, I'll be honest, is like a four. And that's either one. If I picked UCF, I just I wouldn't feel comfortable about that because look, you get the Brent Key as the underdog storyline here as well. Like it's it would don't pick against Georgia Tech when they're an underdog, especially a small one. Um, look, they don't always win when they're an underdog, but dang it, they at least cover and they can they they're gonna make you sweat. Like North Carolina was a big favorite, they lost. Miami was a big favorite, they lost. Georgia was a big favorite, tech covered. Um so it's I'm sure most most tech fans are just glad that Georgia Tech's not favored in this game because they 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 don't like playing as favorites. They like playing as, they like playing the underdog role, and I think they're gonna relish that this week. And we talked about in, in earlier as far as motivation goes, like tech's gonna be fired up playing this game. It's the first bowl game in five years. So UCF is 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 used to playing in bowl games. I, I do think they'll be motivated to play this because these two do you know they recruit against each other. Um I just think Georgia Tech is going to find a way to win at the end and cap off the season. So that will do that. I think that was a pretty good preview. Um, we will be back tomorrow for a, sh- a little short episode. We're not going to go super long tomorrow, but we are going to have a uh, instant reaction to signing day. Um, I'll be traveling to Tampa tomorrow for the game, so it'll probably it'll, it'll be sometime tomorrow night. Yeah, especially that'll also just give the day just some time to everything to settle. Like, you know, signing day is, is, is really hectic. We'll see where, we'll see where Georgia tech ends up 
in the broader recruiting rankings and everything right now. They have 22 commits now. We'll, we'll see where it ends up, but we will be back uh, tomorrow night. And then Friday night after the game, we will have an instant reaction show. Again, not a super long episode, but we do want to kind of just give the thoughts right off the top of our head. I will be at the game on on Friday night. And, you know, look, there, there's not a combo you want better, more to break down this game, especially right after it happens, you know, just getting our thoughts out right quick. But, RJ, any thoughts before we get out of here, man? Last chance to talk about this game preview. Like, after that, it's over. I'm not going to lie and talk about it tomorrow. I got one thing. This might be this might be totally crazy. Um, I, I know I know we've talked about this so many times. I know you're not one for moral victories, uh, but regardless of whether or not Georgia Tech win this game, we by far like shattered expectations for the season. Um, and I found I found an article uh, by CBS Sports Chip Patterson, uh, who's a great guy. Uh, here, here were his preseason uh, win total predictions. He went every team in the ACC made projections. We were at four and a half. He gave us the under, and here are the teams he said we were going to win. He said SC State, which we did. He said Bowling Green, which we lost to, and he said Boston College. So he we shot 33% <laughs> and said we'd win three games and we won six. So I, I just want to – I just want to – say that Georgia Tech has shattered expectations of everybody going into this season. Yep. And of course, you know, uh, Chip does a great job over at CBS Sports. and um, But, yeah, a, a lot of people, a lot of people were, were off base with their win projection totals. Not this guy. Yeah, I, I've got video evidence of me saying take the over four and a half and that Georgia Tech's going to get the bowl game. I even explained how. It didn't go exactly how I predicted, but nobody can be right 100% of the time. Not even us. So, but I, I do agree with you to a point. Like the only way this a, a damper would be put on it is if somehow UCF come out and just like bulldozed Georgia Tech somehow. Like I, again, I don't think that's going to happen. But you never know. Maybe there is Georgia Tech's just happy to be there. It's a bowl game. Hey, first time we've made one in five years. You know, it's just great to be here. UCF's used to this. They just come out much more prepared. You know, they there can be disparities in coaches. It, with their bowl game records and regular season record, I think Brent Key will be fine as a bowl game coach. Like, you know, he gets to play the underdog role. Uh, he's going against the team he coached for there for a long time. They're, you know, he, he downplays a lot of that stuff, but I, I do think it means something to him. And I I don't think a, a, a blowout would happen, like I said, but, you know, it's ball games. We talked about there's just a lot of unknown factors here. And, again, maybe Georgia Tech's just happy they're there. They come out very lackadaisical. And and don't take the game all too seriously. And it's just you know it's a it's a trip and it's a an opportunity. But I don't think that's going to happen. That's just not the way they operate as a team. That's not the way they talk. That's not the way Brent Key operates as a coach and how he runs his program. I'll be very surprised if that happened. But it's college football. You can't be too surprised when anything happens. So be sure. One last thing for you. Please be sure to you know like this video, subscribe. Uh, we're going to have a YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe to that. Wherever you listen to your podcast, give us a review. One star, three star, five stars. doesn't matter. We want to hear what you, what everybody thinks and what the show can do to be better because this is for the fans. This is for the community of fans that we want to build up. And the best way to build it up is to get feedback, and then and then we make our show better for you guys. So that's that. we always love feedback. We always love um, conversing with everybody. 
and it's, it's it's been a fun season. Hopefully they can go out on a high note on Friday. But that's going to do it for this episode of Believe in Georgia Tech. We went a little longer than we usually did, but we wanted to give a good bowl preview. Um, give us a follow on social media, all that kind of good stuff. But that's going to do it for us. That's RJ Schaefer. This is Jackson Caldell. Thank you all for joining us, and we will see you all tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.